1: Hi, everyone. Welcome to Dishing with Digest. I'm Stephanie Sloan, Editorial Director, here with Mara Levinsky, Senior Editor. Hello, everyone. Mara, last week we previewed John and Marlena's wedding on Days, which is playing out on screen right now. Uh, So Sammy was their wedding crasher and returned to town in the middle of the ceremony. We will be talking to Allison Sweeney today. But first, should it really have come off as a surprise that a Days wedding, or really any soap wedding, didn't go off without a hitch? Well, I think that's part of the fun of looking forward to a big soap wedding. It's the
0: anticipation of what is going to go wrong because you kind of know something will. Of course, one of the the most iconic interruptions was Scotty catching the bouquet at Luke and Laura's uh, wedding in 1981. I mean, I suppose he was more of a wedding crasher because it was post-I do's. uh, But who could forget that? Who could forget Carrie slapping Sammy on days? That was another great one. Um, For me, the most memorable one in recent memory is like the soapiest scenario I could possibly think of. And that's when, on General Hospital, Patrick saw Robin back from the dead moments after marrying Sabrina. On on paper, it's just, it's so melodramatic and hokey, but darn it if I did not cry my eyes out (laughs) when Emma first saw Robin and cried out mommy and ran into Robin's arms and the the slow-mo that echoed Robin and Anna's reunion when Robin had been kidnapped decades earlier. I mean... It got me.
1: Oh, I remember. <laughs> um, I will actually never forget Beau kidnapping Hope on her wedding day to Larry and taking her away on his motorcycle. I mean, a fun fact, Peter Reckl told me he was pulled over on that bike at some point in Los Angeles <laughs> and did not have his license to prove who he was That's because he was amazing. filming as Bo.
0: That's so funny. Yeah, dave got a lot of mileage out of the kidnapping brides from weddings there for a minute. I remember Jack kidnapping Jennifer on a fire truck to stop her from marrying Emilio. That was another favorite of mine.
1: And, you know, there were some other surprises with John and Marlena's wedding, namely the return of Susan and Kristen. Mm-hmm played by Stacey Heideck, who is known to soap fans as YR's Patty and Emily. Uh, I spoke to head writer Ron Carlovati. He told me that the show was hoping to get Eileen Davidson to reprise the role, as she had done last year. But Eileen wasn't available because she was shooting at YNR. Uh, Ron also told me that he had thought of Stacy last year, when he first wrote the character back in, in case Eileen couldn't do it. So she's clearly been on his radar. And this was just as a viewer. He does not even know her. He's never met her. He was just going by what he had seen her do on Y&R. Mm-hmm. Now, I did see some pushback online about it before she even started airing, because there are people who think Eileen is the only person who could play these parts. But I will say that every actor I've spoken to on Days has told me what an amazing job Stacy has done with them.
0: And I thought it was super classy, by the way, of Eileen Davidson to tweet such a positive, uh, supportive message to Stacey. I mean, that's just a really nice thing from one actress to another. And in our new issue, uh, we have an interview with Stacey who was very candid about the fact that prior to getting the call from Days, she hadn't really been working. She was, in fact, driving an Uber. And she described herself as being... In a depression over the state of her career. So for her, the timing couldn't have been better. And it's really remarkable, I think, that she was able to come in and just slay it and not be intimidated by Eileen's legacy. I think she's really earned her kudos.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, imagine how hard it is to come in as a recast for a major character. She came in as a recast for two, which, you know, presents its own challenges for any actor. Um, so I would think that her y experience probably really came into play. And we know in general, recasting big popular characters is always a tricky proposition, but we have really seen some super successful ones over the years.
0: You think about some of the most iconic characters on daytime television, and they actually are recasts. I'm thinking of uh, Leslie Charlson as G.H.'s Monica. She replaced Patsy Ron. uh Melody Thomas Scott as YNR's Nikki, who came in after Erica Hope. Uh, Days is Kayla, who was originally played by Catherine Mary Stewart before Mary Beth Evans came in. And... Uh, Peter Berkman as as YNR's Jack, which was played for years by Terry Lester, who was very popular in his own right. On G.H., of course, there were multiple successful Carly recasts, so it certainly can be done. But you and I have both spoken to executives who've been tempted to try to fill roles that feel like they're really missing from the canvas because a certain actor or actress has left. And these executives just don't know that there's anyone out there who can fill the shoes of a really popular predecessor – It is different from casting a new role where there's a blank slate.
1: You know, the interesting thing that Ron mentioned to me about Susan is that it helps with that character that she's already kind of in costume, (laughs) um, you know, with her wig and the Mm -hmm. teeth and the glasses. And, you know, I have to say, I do prefer a recast to look like their predecessor. I think it makes for an easier transition. Um, You know, I will admit it was a little jarring. When Marcy Miller took over for Kate Mancy as Abigail on Days, because by the time she left, Kate's hair was her natural brunette, and she has dark eyes. And then Marcy came in all blonde and blue-eyed, which certainly made her look more like Missy Reeves' Jennifer, and another one of the Abigails' Ashley Benson. But whenever she came on the screen, it took me a moment to realize that it was actually Abigail. Yeah,
0: I totally get that. I mean, I think the most jarring recast, I can recall, is One Life to Live's Blair, uh, the original Blair, Mia Korf, is of Japanese and European descent. And even though a little bit of time had passed, Cassie DePaiva comes in to play Blair. She's blonde, blue-eyed, southern drawl. You know, obviously it was a complete reinvention of the character. And the show did have some fun with that years down the line when Blair had a flashback of herself as Mia Korf, and we saw her come out of it like, what the heck was that? <laughs> I um, that. And another physically jarring recast for me, I have to say, was... Um, On General Hospital, when Jonathan Jackson, the original Lucky, was succeeded by Jacob Young, who was followed by Greg Vaughn, and then back to Jonathan Jackson. Like, they really kind of just— went in a
1: different direction each of those times. Yeah, you cannot find like three more yeah. different looking guys. <laughs> totally. Um, I would say on that note, one of the more successful recast looks-wise was probably Robert Kelker Kelly for Peter Reckle as Days' Bo. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't get me wrong, Bo is an incredibly iconic character on Days, one that I could never even have imagined that they could have successfully recast. But, and, and also, in case you're not aware, of Hope or <laughs> the actual reason I started watching Days. So I really cared about these characters. But Robert really looked so much like Peter. And there was something about that that really softened the blow a bit. Yeah, I think it does make it more seamless. You know, also, he wasn't working with Christian Alfonso right off the bat. She was also off the show. Um, he was working with Crystal Chappelle and Lisa Rinna. So you weren't really expected to jump back into the Bow and Hope romance right. right away. So I think that helped, too. Agreed. Um, Now, one character on days that I could never see them recast is our guest today, Allison Sweeney, who began playing Sammy in 1993. Uh, She is back visiting, so let's get her on the phone to talk about this latest Salem go-round. Hi, Allie.
2: Hi. How are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you? Good. I'm good, too. It's Mara. How are ya? I'm Mara. What's up?
1: Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, it is the perfect time to be talking to yeah. you, as Sammy has just made her return to Salem. Um, <laughs> now, no surprise here, Sammy did not come back to Salem quietly. Um, so tell us about how your return came about.
2: Uh, well, I was really, you know, as always, sort of thrilled and um honored to have a call from Ken and Greg and to talk to Ron about ideas for Sammy coming back. And I think they messed around with a bunch of different um, iterations of it. And in the end, uh, this is what Ron told me, you know, he thought was the best um, return. And it, you know, I mean, what can you say? Like, it's just so fun and it's so Sammy. And and, um, for me, you know, I just love, I love Sammy's sort of willingness to just go for, go commit a wholeheartedly to <laughs> whatever whatever she's got going on, and uh, so it was really really fun for me to come back in this way. And and what I also liked was that you know Ron obviously um, had done such homework into the history of all of these characters, and Sammy's history with John and Marlena runs so deep. So there's such a great you know, irony and callback to my very beginnings of my career or Sammy's, you know, um, growth in the show in terms of a John and Marlena wedding. So it, there's something really fun about that, too. Now,
0: a lot of fans were 100 percent expecting for Sammy to show up pregnant with Rafe's baby. Would,
2: was that you know, something are. you thought about? I'm on Twitter, like people are still thinking there's a chance it might happen. Yeah, I've seen um, that that
1: she secretly had the baby and is leaving it somewhere with someone. I've seen that one.
2: Which, by the way, uh, well, I mean, who, who am I to say? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> she could have gone a little prematurely I mean, and just left yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, but, you know, I mean, the only thing I would say to that is, you know... um I, I love that. I mean, I, I think there was a real, probably, discussion, you know, going on about whether or not she should be pregnant. And I, I think probably when he wrote it, I mean, I'm not in Ron's mind. Um, it must be very crowded in there. But, um, <laughs> um, but uh, I'm sure he thought about it. I mean, uh, you know, there was definitely um, talk and consideration of that possibility, uh, certainly from the moment he set that story up in the first place. So, um, you know, I mean, I think that's the traditional fantastic way to go for soaps but um i think in the end what what he went with and and the crazy adventure sammy goes through would definitely have been different and you know given sammy's sort of affinity for her kids and dedication to them and y- you would have to play it all very differently you know with a with a baby bjorn's <laughs> <laughs> belly
0: Now, can I just say, her hair was amazing when you came back. Is that a style you would consider uh, adopting in real life?
2: Covered in leaves? Is that (laughs) what you're... Yeah. yeah. It's a a really um, complicated routine of, you know, literally a combination of wardrobe (laughs) dust and dirt, and then, like, as much gel as we could get away with, like, making it as greasy as possible, and and then the finishing touch of leaves on top is, like, you know the piece de resistance. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Quite a look. You <laughs> hadn't sported that one before, so congratulations to them yeah, to finding something,
2: something new. <laughs> well, it's funny because when we were talking about on the day and, and Richard got into it, um, Blur, our fabulous costume designer, because, of course... You know the clothing is ripped a bit as well, and he and I, I was sort of just heartbroken because I really loved the blazer I was wearing, the little jacket, <laughs> sort of Chanelish thing, and and I was like, no, don't rip it. Can't we just pretend it's ripped? Like he was like, Ali, who are you? And I was like, oh, it's so cute, and um, so we we definitely got into it. And at one point when we were talking about, you know makeup and how dirty am I and all that, uh, on set, you know, we did check in with Ron and I was like, I mean, I think oof, now I don't want to give anything away, but there was definitely a discussion about like how dirty, how messed up is she really? Is it that she just fell down outside the church, you know, outside the square, or is it like indicating some sort of lengthy, um, endurance trauma scenario that she's been through, and obviously the answer is the former or the latter rather.
0: These are conversations only people working in soaps have,
2: right? Hashtag how <laughs> dirty is she?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: right, <laughs> right. It's so true, and it's and it's something I miss. You know, you you really do. Um, get to pursue sort of these outside-the-box ideas. And, (laughs) you know, uh, Richard and I, over the years, have had, like, the most crazy conversations about Sammy. Like, well, she didn't know she was going to shoot someone that day. So, like, you know, I mean... (laughs) So she wouldn't have worn a fabric with stretch. Right, right. She didn't know she was going to be, like, climbing through a window or (laughs) hiding under a fill-in-the-blank. And so, you know, oftentimes we do sort of push the limit of, like you know, dressing, even in this scenario, you know, like it was a cute little outfit she was wearing and, and then, you know, who knows what happened to her. It's like, <laughs> um, trauma unfolds.
1: Now, it had been a year since you had last film there. Um, in the meantime, you were doing movies of the week for Hallmark. Uh, what is it like to get back into the groove of filming multiple episodes a day and memorizing all that dialogue?
2: It is really stressful. It's like, it's it's hard and stressful and, um, especially because I, you know, used to do it all the time. I have a certain expectation of myself, and 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 the bottom line is, it days like there's no time for you not to get it right. I mean, they're they're counting on you to to do your part, and they in terms of the schedule really rely on each actor and and crew member and ev- everyone to pull their weight and like help us all move as fast as possible. And so I come in, you know, I <laughs> there's a Wonderful likeness to new people whose eyes when they first walk on on the set and their eyes are so wide, like what's happening why, what's going on here? you know, but um, like they just didn't expect it uh, to go that way but but for those of us who have been on that you know um Woodside movie, it's like the divert the train and divergent like it's just going, and you better like run and catch up and hang on um and uh. So for me, it's stressful. I, I, it definitely is a very different skill set um, memorizing, you know, one scene at a time. And, and more, it's more about on the movies, it's more about, like, memorizing sort of the specifics of every single action that you took because you have to do the same scene again 8, 10, 12 times from different angles. And you have to try to match your physicality. And there is, like, that is, you know, to a certain extent complicated, um, different from memorizing 70 pages of dialogue, which when I have fun, you know, sharing war stories on the movie set about what we do in daytime. And and half the time people genuinely do not believe you. They're like, (laughs) you must be exaggerating. And I'm like, I I can show you a call sheet. I can tell you, you know, uh, it's hard for people, hard for people to wrap their heads around. we were just talking
0: by the way, about uh, Stacy Heideck and talk about someone coming in with a huge Herculean task and, you know, the show trusting her to get it right. What was your experience working with her as Susan and Kristen?
2: Yeah, she was great. And she, I mean, there's so many reasons that is, that was an incredibly challenging thing to do. Not the least of which is how fabulous Eileen Davidson is and how much we all love her and what a unique turn she took um, with those roles. And what, you know, those are big shoes to fill and so, never. So, so first of all, there's that. And then Susan, who who's just such a like unique character in any genre, never mind daytime. And trying to figure that out, and how, how do I make that? How does how does Stacy sort of tackle that and honor what Eileen had created, but still make it her own and something she could do? You know, I mean, like boy, that that was a huge obstacle. And then, <laughs> like her first day. I'm not kidding. She had monologue after monologue, like pages of dialogue that she just rattles off to the entire cast. Like we're all there assembled for, jo- I mean, it's literally like something out of a, uh, the actor's nightmare, you know, that in front of the entire cast of people who have been doing this forever, you have to come in and recite monologues about storylines we were all in and that you have never even heard of until today, you know, the script. <laughs>
1: That's crazy. And so
2: it's it, it's a combination. It was so hard, and and the amazing. The you know it's a great group of people to work with not the least of which is for that moment after the first scene and the first big hurdle had been crossed and Stacy did such a great job. Deidre started like a round of applause for her and everyone on the set applauded her. And, you know, we all just took a moment to say like, you're awesome. You're doing just fine. Like we're all here to help you and support you. And, um, you know, she proceeded to do, you know, some wonderful work. Uh, but, but boy, that was a big, big task.
1: Wow. That's so cool. That's so nice that you all did that. I'm sure that made her feel good.
2: I I hope so. I mean, in some ways that you have to support each other because it is so hard and it it does, it is a um, team sport (laughs) acting is in soap (laughs) specifically. So um, yeah, I I hope she felt the support from us because she deserved it and, you know, she needed it and we all need each other.
1: Um, now, what does it feel like when you walk through the doors of the studio? Does it feel like you had been gone for a while or that you had just been there?
2: There's always something different when I come back. Like, for example, there was some construction. <laughs> so there, there, there's been some construction. So they, like, changed the entry, the way the actors get in and out. So my first day back, I was parking in a different lot, and I had never parked there before. So at the end of my first day after, like, I had survived all these scenes, (laughs) I have not told anyone this story, but I I had not, I I had done all these scenes, I was exhausted, I felt like, oh my gosh, I survived my first day back, and I didn't know how to get, (laughs) how to get out of the parking lot. (laughs) (laughs) so, I literally, and I was embarrassed, because, I mean, I've worked there for 25, (laughs) so 16 years old. And I'd just never been in that parking lot before. Or and that's not true. I had been in that parking lot back like 20 years ago when there was a different exit. And it wasn't where I thought it was. And so I drove around for like five minutes trying to figure out how to get out. <laughs> and I was like, I went back to the in gate and I like parked my car on what I thought might be a sensor. Like hoping it would just open magically. Oh, that's so embarrassing. I mean, but so- I, ha- I have a terrible
1: sense of direction, but I actually did the same thing the first time I was in that lot as well. I had to call someone oh. to show me where it was
2: <laughs> i I was desperate. I almost called someone'm like, Oh my gosh, I have to figure out what to do here um but it was anyway, so things like that and they and they really throw me for a loop more than they would if it were a new job or a new place, you know where sort of you just know going in you're not you're gonna get lost or you don't know you know what to do i I feel so familiar and comfortable there that I, it, things like that really sort of startle me, and, um, but then once I get there, and I, cr- as you said, c- come through the stage doors, and, and get a dressing room, like, I walk into the makeup room, and in some ways, the second day, so the first day, there's all these hellos, and oh, it's been so long, and how, are, you know, whatever, and then day two, it feels as though no time has gone by, and I've been working, you know, since I was 16 years old, it's the same.
0: So you, you, I, I take it from your, your answer that you don't get your old dressing room back. Is it weird to just be floating around after I'm sure you had, like, a pretty comfortable home away from home there?
2: I did have, you know, a pretty sweet setup at one point that was, um, you know, uh, definitely a home away from home. And I also – my favorite moment – my favorite um, part of my dressing room was that I had a television I had bought – in 1993, when I first got the job, <laughs> and it had a <laughs> and it had a VCR thing on the top. For those of you who do not know, a VCR is what we used to use to record things with. And um, and to the moment, I mean, like I went through Y2K with that thing, <laughs> and and magically the, the numbers just kept kept going. Like boy, <laughs> that just happened. And um, so then, right when I finally like. W- left the show in whenever <laughs> that year was, uh, in the twenty fourteen, twenty fifteen. I was I was sort of sad, like, Oh my gosh, what am I gonna do with this TV? And my husband was like, What are you talking about? <laughs> it's a relic, like let it go. It's um it's on its last legs. And I would, you know, record our scenes. So like I do miss that. I, I had these tapes and I would record us filming the scenes and I would do it on like Super long play For those of you Of this generation That know what I'm talking about So like It was You could record Six or nine hours On one tape And But there would sometimes Be like Sort of the ghost Of previous scenes You (laughs) could see through it And like these weird lines And uh, Just all those Old memories Of great old tapes That we had of, Of fun scenes We used to do So So things like that Were hard I had a little like You know Snack box for her stuff, and a sofa I really liked, and whatever, but at the same time, like, now, that was back in the day when you were hanging out there all day, and you maybe had, like, some scenes in the morning and some scenes later, and there was, like, it was just sort of a bigger commitment, and now, I am i don't know if other actors feel this way, maybe it's just because I kind of come in and... I feel like it's, you know, I come in and hit it hard and then I'm out again. But I'm in so many scenes and you're doing these wardrobe changes and you have lines to learn that there's really not, like, a lot of a hangout time so much anymore. Um, So I feel like, you know, I just hang out more. And anyway, I miss everybody, so I hang out more in the makeup room and talk to people or go find someone to run lines with. So um, it's sort of a different, it just feels different enough that, that I don't miss it too much.
1: Now speaking of old memories, you had Farah Fath and Kyle Louder back on set when you, with you when you were there, and obviously so many other familiar faces just from all your years on the show. Um, what kinds of memories come flooding back to you when you return? Like what stands out to you when you go back?
2: Um, that's yeah. It was funny to see uh, Farah and and Kyle because you do sort of flashback to. Um, I don't know. Maybe more than the storylines or certain scenes, I remember like off-camera things. Um, Kyle used to do this really funny shtick in the makeup room that would make us laugh all the time. Um, He he and Ari had this like really funny stand-up. Like stand, essentially the guys, especially the actors, have these like funny things. Brian Detillo does this rap that I remember, you know, and he can like sort of riff off of anyone's name or something that just happened and be really funny. Um or he does impressions of old uh, of crew members that have, you know, long since either passed away or um, you know, retired. And but we remember them from the 90s <laughs> and the early 00s and he just does these hilarious impressions of people, you know, that we've known a long time, and so, I don't know, it's just fun, it's fun to share those stories, and I feel like I always, you know, because they're used to working with, so I can't remember what hap- what I remembered, but um, when we were first doing those wedding scenes with Dee and Drake, um, I sort of, it reminded me of a scene from many, many years ago that we had done and it, I brought it up and it was funny cause Dee and Drake both sort of knew exactly what I was talking about, but I don't think they're surrounded by people who have those same, share those same memories as, as, you know, so it was fun to sort of walk down memory lane together.
0: That's awesome. Well, speaking of memory lane, I can't give
2: you any good answer. I no. feel like I just sort of was
1: super vague. <laughs> no, no, all good. Well, yeah. Like, so for the past twenty five kind of years, memory. like, can you come up with twenty five years of memories that stand out? Yes. Yeah, start doing uh, it in chronological I mean, okay. order.
2: Since this is a podcast and you have more time, I'll be honest that the memory that came immediately to mind is one that I cannot share <laughs> <laughs> with the fans. And it is, like, one of my favorite memories of a the behind-the-scenes moment. It's I don't mean to tease and be mean, but, like, I just can't tell it. But it was, you know, just one of those, like, moments in my life that I'll never forget. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Save it for the the last book you ever write. Right, (laughs) exactly. Right, exactly.
2: Exactly. My deathbed will be to tell that story. (laughs) And we'll be
0: there with a microphone. (laughs) For the fans. Um, So, Allie, when I was um, touring colleges, I have the most distinct memory. I was in a lecture hall hearing all about Boston University's film and television program, and my eye was caught (laughs) by a blonde girl sitting in the row behind me, and she looked really familiar, and I was trying to place her. And then it hit me, oh, it's Sammy. Like, oh, my gosh.
2: So I want to know. Is it possible we've known each other? All? You seen, you've never told me that story? I, I think I have told you that no, story. No, I didn't hear oh. that
1: story either. I, she just told it to I'm me earlier. Terrible. I wasn't holding oh, out no, on I'm you, lady. She held out on both of us. I, I never heard it. Okay, For the podcast
0: listeners, I want to say I believe I have told them both and their memory is being called into question. But I digress. So my my question, though, is how seriously were you considering chucking your then, like, fairly new Salem career to go to college?
2: Yes, so I was seriously considering it. Um, by the way, I took a red eye that night, and I have to tell you, it was everything inside of me to stay awake in that <laughs> lecture hall. <laughs> um, and if that is any taste of how I would have done in college, <laughs> things were not going well for me. I, I was, like, dying. Uh, it was so warm in there. Cause, <laughs> I mean, that's the thing about East Coast. Like, you people, you're like, oh, it's cold outside. We better <laughs> crank up that heater when you get inside. I mean... Boy. Anyway, it, it was an amazing university. I really consider going there. Um, my dad and I were touring schools. Well, the answer to your question is that my dad, um, you know, uh, brought all three of us kids up to expect, he, he expected us, we expected of ourselves to be going to some sort of um, further education. And so I had always just assumed, it like never occurred to me that I wouldn't go to college. I was studying and busting my butt and taking the SAT and, like, writing those damn essays to get into college, like, you're going to go. And so we toured schools. I went to a couple, Boston U and um, Boston College, and then I went over to Northwestern, which is where my brother had gone. And so um, it was actually the Northwestern dean um, who pulled my dad aside. And also because Sarah Gilbert had been at... Like, she graduated maybe a year before I did, and she was on Roseanne, of course, and she quit to go to college, and so that was, like, a big um, sort of, like, news item that, you know, stood out for me, and then my dad sort of, you know, really sort of impressing on me import, how important it was to have an education, and he can't rely on this, you know, willy-nilly actor's career, <laughs> and so... Um, It was the dean at Northwestern who told my dad, listen, like, she has the job that kids come to school to try to, like, figure out how to get. She's already there. So, like, please, please don't make her do this. Please let her stay. If she ever, you know ends up getting fired or, or having to move on from that show, like then you can reevaluate and go to try again and reply and her grades and her SAT scores last for however many years it was like, so, and it was that, it was amazing that I was so grateful to him because in the end, obviously that that was what my dad needed to hear to, um, really get on board for the idea of me staying at days. Huh,
1: that could have gone a whole other way. <laughs> had he never interviewed.
0: Yeah, totally. Is I, I feel crazy? like the dean was clearly like a days fan and just
1: wasn't <laughs> was ready for he a was recast. Very invested
2: in Sammy's yeah. future, but obviously a Sammy fan, he was no Carrie Austin fan at the time. <laughs> that's right. He been like, yeah, that's right. He would have been like, "Yeah, she should definitely, definitely go to school." That's so funny. Um,
0: so obviously, you need to have a chunk of availability in your schedule in order to come back and and do an arc for the show. What is your work schedule like these days with all of the other projects that you have going on?
2: Um, My schedule is kind of... like, fits and starts, that I have, um, you know, periods of time where I'm prepping and building up for the next movie that I'm working on, and that is much more flexible. I can go to the gym and work out and take my kids to school and help them with homework and then schedule meetings and read scripts and whatnot in between times. And then um, when I get ready to prep the movie, we prep the movie, and then when I'm shooting, it's three weeks of intense filming. And then you go back to sort of the... the uh, like the opposite of setup, the wind-down where you're doing post-production and you're having meetings and I'm screening movies and it's frustrating in some ways because it's all very like I'm waiting for someone else to finish writing something or to turn in a, a cut of the movie and then right when that happens I ha- I kind of give myself the least amount of time, even if like I get the cut of the movie at midnight, I have to watch it and give them notes so that they can start working the next morning. Um, so I kind of work odd hours in between times. And then the movies are sort of little bursts of intensity. Mm -hmm. Um, and, but, but all that is to say, you know, as my own boss in some ways, I'm, I'm the producer of my projects. I get to decide when we shoot to a certain extent. And so I can carve out times or breaks, um, in between times to, um, go be a part of, of days when I, when I get the offer, the opportunity.
1: Uh, Well, you do have an exciting new series for Hallmark Movies and Mysteries. Tell us about it.
2: I am super excited. We um, came up with – I came up with the idea of uh, doing a new mystery series for Hallmark, and I decided to take my real-life obsession with true crime to another level. I thought it was a great opportunity to create a new character on the Hallmark Movies and Mysteries channel, and she is a podcaster and um, here we are podcasting oh. about a podcaster, which is sort of very... Very um, matter matter. Matter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Totally. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I love us. Okay. <laughs> so, um, so, right, but so she's... And and if you've a, a, any of our listeners here have tried true crime podcasts, they are super... You know, there's a wide variety. There's some that are sort of more light and others that are kind of really serious and dark and some that are... Um, you know, a a journalist of some kind sort of really taking a deep dive into one particular case and investigating it, which is what I ended up framing my character about, in that if in on more than one occasion I've been listening to one of these podcasters uh, get themselves into some hot water and really, like, in some ways, you know, they're either interviewing whom we sort of secretly suspect is the real killer, and that's uncomfortable, and you're sitting there, like, staring at your, you know, ear pods or whatever, like, oh my god, you're talking to the person who really did it, and I think they probably don't want to be talking to you right now <laughs> um and um and some you know danger, so I thought that was the perfect way to you know to fictionalize that scenario and create you know the bring a bridge between people who are interested in true crime and cold cases and solving them to this mystery audience um was a fun new. New look for Hallmark. And they agreed and they loved the idea. So we came up with this story and these characters. My character's name is Alex. She's sort of new to the podcasting scene and new to the idea of being an investigator or a detective. So she's very much, you know, the everyday person, armchair detective who's like, you know, wants to figure it out and is sort of learning as she goes and podcasting along the way. And then she teams up with this course handsome journalist from the local newspaper and uh, sparks fly and ink flies and you know they have to do podcasts to also fly dead podcasts are flying <laughs> yeah totally pods are casting <laughs> willy-nilly yeah
1: well so it, they're it's called the chronicle mysteries when can we see the first one
2: we're putting together um, three initial movies. Maybe we're still working on the, how many there will be, but we're launching them all together at, um, in the beginning of next year. So at the end of January, beginning of February is what we're looking at, and um, we're going to air them every weekend for a month and, uh, and introduce you to these, this wonderful cast.
1: Uh, Now, tell us how you got into true crime. I mean, that's sort of not your everyday topic that people go searching.
2: You know, I I don't know, actually, what sort of was the first, I think serial maybe would be the first real sort of um, foray into it for me. It's a serial, for those who don't know, is a kind of really well-known podcast uh, about a case in Baltimore, Maryland, about a teenager who was convicted of murdering his ex-girlfriend. And um, this journalist uh, was looking into the case all these years later and sort of uncovered and revealed some, um, one could argue, prosecutorial misconduct and lawyer trouble and lots of reasons why we might think that there's more that went on there that meets the eye regarding this kid's conviction, who is now a man and he's been in jail this whole time. So this case had a lot of different elements to it. Uh, that were fascinating to me, and this journalist who sort of went down the road of, you know, interviewing all these people and looking into the case file and reading all that. And I just am fascinated by the justice system and the legal details, and it was really a real first, an eye-opening experience for me, and I was hooked from then on to investigate more.
1: Uh, now your husband is a California Highway Patrolman. Uh does he get involved in your in your crime stories? Yeah,
2: you would think it's so funny. Uh no, he is not. He, he literally has zero. It, he that's not true. I mean, I suppose there are some cases like, you know, as events occur and we're reading headlines about like the Golden State ki- Killer was recently caught with DNA and um, you know, the that uh what's it called that like 23 and me or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. I mean like it's kind of a there's some sort of real justice there about him getting caught with through that. But um you know, it, so I think cases like that are interesting to him but but the the deep dive I do or the little details uh, and the nuances and how many different cases I'm interested in. Uh, He is not, he spends all day talking to bad guys. I think he does not love hearing me, all my crazy conspiracy theories.
0: (laughs) Um, So, Allie, I I need to confront you about something. uh, I'm not a jealous person by nature, but every year I get completely snagged by the green-eyed monster because you get to go to the Survivor finale. Ugh. I need to know. I know, this is a two-part question. How do you know Jeff Probst, and can you get me in?
2: <laughs> so, um, Jeff and I met at a celebrity appearance on fill-in-the-blank here, Allie. What is it? It was Wheel maybe of Wheel of Fortune? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Okay, thank you. Um, Stephanie knows my life better than I do. Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> I've been covering you for so- a long time. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you have a magazines so you're like flipping through the pages <laughs> um I Yeah, Wheel of Fortune, and it was in New York, and we happened to be on the same flight home. And we got to talking, and he's such a cool guy. And um, now I know his wife, Lisa, and there are two kids who happen to be the same age as my kids, and um, we're similar. And so we're kind of family friends now, and they're super cool family. We get along so well, and Jeff is awesome, and he knows. he He's such a cool he's such a cool guy for so many reasons, but not the least of which is that he really embraces the survivor world. So Mara, like what you'll love about this story is that if you want it, like, you know, if, and when we make this happen and you meet Jeff, (laughs) he will talk to you about all of the different seasons and what was your favorite. And why did, why did you root for Cochran to win? Like, that's so interesting to him. And he, like, he just totally gets it and totally loves it and is. Really, um, he's a fan of the Survivor, like the game of Survivor and the people who play it. And I love that about him.
0: As do I. And uh, just try, child- Gauntlet has been thrown.
2: <laughs> I like
1: it. I know, right. Speaking of games, Allie, I think anyone who knows you knows that you are notoriously competitive. Uh, so <laughs> we thought, in honor of Sammy's return for John and Marlena's wedding, we would test your Sammy wedding smarts.
2: Oh, you know, sometimes I I do, I hope that by the end of this, we do come to like a a finite number (laughs) of how many weddings, because I feel though one could argue debates of like missed weddings, you know, we have to set a limit of like, at what point does it count as a real wedding? Anyway, so carry on. But, yes, I I love this. Let's go.
1: Well, the first question was going to be just that. It was going to be how many wedding days, including interrupted and ones that Sammy might not have made it all the way down the aisle, has she had?
2: Well, but so, like, I would—do you count (laughs) the day that that she was supposed to marry Brandon— but, like, got stopped by everybody, you know, like, that was a wedding day, but I don't well, know that she made us. it. Well, trust us, you know,
0: speak of conversations you only have if you work in soaps. These were decisions we had to make when we tried to do a definitive piece at one point on Sammy's wedding. So we are counting if it's a wedding day, she's put on a dress, whether it got interrupted or not, or whether the groom happened to die,
2: we're counting <laughs> it. Okay, so I'm, I, I'm not 100% certain, certain about this number, but I'm going to guess 14. <gasps> oh, ding, ding, ding. That amazing. is amazing. <laughs> oh, I'm so good at this. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> okay, how many? At one of- point, I really did try to figure that out. Sorry, but I did try to figure it out, and I remember the number 14, and so I have said that interview, that number since then. Um, You've been yourself oh, on that. Yeah, goodness, you nailed it. Has there been another wedding since then? Like, what, you know, maybe it was, anyway, carry on. Yay, Yay, me
0: won. one. Um, point. Okay, one point for Allie. Uh, which of her weddings ended with her, uh, her actually being married? We're looking for a number here. How many <laughs> full-fledged oh, how many marriages came of all these wow. weddings?
2: Okay, she actually, can we, can I, can we talk to her? Yes, talk it yeah. can, okay, okay, sure. okay, Show okay. us
1: your work. Um, <laughs>
2: Okay, so she actually married Austin that time in Paris. Yeah. She actually married... Lucas. Did she marry Austin the second time? She actually married EJ. One time, and then divorced him, and then married Lucas again. That's two... Wait, now I've lost count. One, You're uh, in one four. Austin, You're in four. One to Lucas. Okay, four. And then... And then she had to divorce Lucas, and then she had to marry E.J. again. But did they marry Ooh Oh, I don't know. I'm nervous. And there was no other. And there was a marriage to Brandon that ended up getting annulled. so she did marry him. So that's five. Did she marry E.J. again? And, yeah, of course, she married E.J. How could I forget? Uh, with the, with the, the, you know, there was some sort of um, fabulous dress. Okay, I'm going to say six.
0: Okay, I will say we also have six down here, but I feel that there might have been something off in the show your work part because I don't think you mentioned Rafe. Oh my God! So then that must be seven. Okay, we might we might I might have to to uh, excuse myself <laughs> and, and go on the go on the uh, interwebs here while stuff continues.
1: Okay, so who has been her most frequent groom
2: uh, of the like all the wedding of all the fourteen guys. together? Yeah. Jeez, that's a. T- I wonder if that's EJ or Lucas. I'm gonna say Lucas.
1: Nope.
2: <gasps>
1: mm. One wrong EJ. Mm, go back a little further. Austin. Austin.
2: Because the French. Okay, so yeah, there were a lot of non weddings to Austin. Right. Okay. okay.
0: Yeah, we got a total of four non weddings. Oh, non-weddings. you know what?
2: And the Vegas. Oh yeah, the Vegas was a non wedding. Okay, yeah.
0: Uh, uh, okay, here's a here's a fun. Cue for you, Ali. Carrie famously slapped Sammy at her interrupted wedding to Austin when the truth about Will's paternity came out. Who else slapped Sammy that day?
2: Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. Okay, it was the paternity about Will. And, oh, uh, Lucas.
0: Alas, it, it was her dear mother, Marlena.
2: Oh, my gosh. Okay. Wow, how dare she? <laughs> the serious. nerve. Well, you
1: paid her back, the didn't
2: you? Well, I guess I did, yeah.
1: Um, who was the groom at the wedding where Sammy wore a red dress? I yeah.
2: wore a red dress?
1: At Christmas. It might have been a vow renewal.
2: Oh, oh, a rave. The one, yeah, the rave. Nice. Yes. Nicely it was done. A, I love that dress.
1: <laughs> All right.
2: Why
0: did Brandon dump Sammy at the altar?
2: Um, okay. But was it at the altar or was it the time that, cause there was one where we got married, but then it was annulled.
1: I think it was the annulled one. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay, great. So that <laughs> one was because somehow Lexi ruined that one. And I remember in particular that she had, she was just given birth to a child. Uh, uh, and, and here's, interesting. I feel like she and Brandon had an affair. Was that after, maybe? Or something? But Lexi found out that Sammy had lied about... Oh, I feel like there's some sort of DNA something. But anyway, Lexi found out that Sammy had lied about something and told Brandon. And
1: <laughs> Yes. Yes. Uh, Amazing. Lexi revealed that Sammy had switched Theo's paternity test.
2: Theo... That's right. That was that oh, was when kid.
0: that's right. That, well, that's what uh, the te- the switch test and she indicated. She double crossed me. Mm-hmm. She did. That's right. See, that, that's like she's bonus points that you remember. She's being old that old Yeah, we're gonna uh, give you, you know, a bonus
2: point. that's a point. great example of a story that, like, wait a second, Sammy's the villain in that story. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness. Those were the years when I was like, look around, like, wait. Why, why why is Lexi the one like happily having her baby and Sammy like <laughs> Just
0: just there's there's no justice in Salem. Um, I know. Okay, so we know that Abigail famously was her maid of honor at her 2014 wedding to EJ, but do you remember who EJ's best man was?
2: Oh my god. <laughs> Um, okay, well, Will was dead at that point.
1: Mm, right? no, no, he no. wasn't. Or, or was he? <laughs> or was he? Then it yes.
2: must have been Will. <laughs> yes. yes.
1: <laughs> Despite the fact that Will had shot EJ at another one of their weddings, EJ <laughs> was like, please stand
2: up for me at this one. Yeah, well, you know, it's better to keep him in eyes, you know, in, in plain sight. Right.
0: Put him somewhere where he can see him. Good Good call.
2: okay. And finally,
1: um, at your own real life wedding, you wore the shoes that Sammy had worn to which of her on-screen weddings?
2: Well, that one is easy. It was Franco's wedding, or her, we- Sammy's wedding to Franco, in which he died. And the reason I wore those shoes is because I had spent over a month in them <laughs> between the pre-wedding and the shooting, and then the post-wedding or the post-death uh, arrest. And then time in jail, I literally wore those shoes for a month, and they were all broken in and nice and comfortable. So I thought, what a perfect pair of shoes to wear uh, on the real day of my wedding. They're already, you know, quite nicely broken in. Smart. They were um, a little dirty, but...
1: And uh, so a little bonus for the audience. It's your favorite question that you're ever asked. <laughs> um, who is the true love of Sammy's life?
2: Uh, <laughs> um, her children.
0: Oh, nice one. Nicely played, Allie. <laughs> and for the record, my my quick internet reconnaissance, I got to six as well. So, so you get, ding, 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 to ding, ding,
2: our ding. friend, Jason, Jason 47, I so I'm going to need him to, <laughs> to...
1: To weigh in here? <laughs> yeah. Jason 47, if you're listening. Let us know what the definitive yeah. answer is. Um well, Allie, we, we could talk to you for the rest of the day, but we just want to thank you for joining us and uh,
2: thank you so much. I had so much fun. You guys are the best, and I um, super enjoy listening to your podcast. So it was really fun to be I was really fun to be invited. Thank you. Oh,
0: thanks, well, Allie. Thank see, you. See, see you at the Survivor finale. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, Stony Face, I'm sending you. Sony face. <laughs> I'm
1: sending you one back. All right. Talk soon. Right. Thanks for joining us. Bye. Of course. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to Allison Sweeney for being our guest. Be sure to pick up a new issue on sale now and come back next week for another podcast.
2: You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator.